1: And welcome to episode 23 of The Wizard Files, the special interview series where we go behind the scenes with former staff members of Wizard Magazine. Joining us this time around is the former art director of the magazine who helped to shape the look of the Guide to Comics during her 16-year journey in the Wizard bullpen. A lady that survived the geek frat house in Congress, New York, who is long overdue to appear on the show. We're excited to welcome Arlene So. How you doing?
0: I am well. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it really is our pleasure. So, according to your profile as one of the damned from the magazine in July of 1999, you stated that you once dressed as Harley Quinn for Halloween and another wizard office party photo where you showed up as Donna Troy Wonder Girl as part of a group of teen titans that included, you know, Brian Cunningham and Mike Fizzolo and Pat McCallum and others. So, you know, I don't know if you considered yourself a cosplayer or if it was just for the work functions, but what is maybe your favorite wizard costume party memory
0: well yeah i did that at troy because the people who lived in the house where the party was all lived together pat brian andrew mike so they decided to do it like a team theme so that's why we were the team titans that one year the other year we were the avengers and that one year i was actually mantis so it was crazy because nobody in the office told anybody who they were supposed to be it was a surprise so anybody who showed up at the party they're like oh my god you're this or this so i mean those were awesome it's just because the Creativeness of everybody uh, with the costume. This is before cosplay is kind of cool now. Like it's yeah. like the thing to do. But back in the day, it was just one of those, you know, it's just being creative in what you have. Because I'm sure back in the day, we didn't have all the cool, nifty materials and gadgets that people have now. I mean, it's all going to craft stores and stuff. But uh, it was cool. um The party that I was mances, we actually had a coworker read tarot cards. Wow. So we set up a room by the kitchen and we kind of decorated it. We put like tarot cards on the wall and we had her kind of hang out there for a bit. People would come in and she would read tarot cards for a while. So that was fun. We had Twister. We had... Dumping for apples. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All in costume? All in costume, yeah. That's um, pretty great. Uh, what else did he have? Oh, also at the parties, you were given prizes if you had the best costume, and then you also had a prize if you had the really bad costume. So one year, I believe Mike Searle, who was Inquest editor, he won as the swamp thing. Like he literally paper mache this costume. It was incredible. Wow. I actually have pictures of the, of the parties, actually, of the past, but it was incredible to see everybody getting in. Into it, and it was fun, it was so much fun. It was like a great bonding moment for people, you know. So it was awesome,
1: yeah. That's so fun, yeah. Because obviously, you were there for many, many of those parties. And I know, as a reader, we always looked forward to seeing what you guys were going to dress up as every year.
0: What's cool about it, like every year in the and in around the Halloween time, Wizard had the all dressed, all dressed up, and nowhere to go feature, so right. it's all people sending photos of them in Halloween costumes, and of course, you know, we had the occasional snarky comment, on, but it was, you know, all in good fun, but I think that probably was the start of people kind of, like, getting into it, so the fact that Wizard staff members got also into it was uh, was a, a nice little, you know, push for that.
1: For sure. Now, let's let's go back to the beginning now, because you first appear in the Wizard Masthead in issue 26, which is an October 1993 cover date, as a design assistant to Matt Tierney, so What were the circumstances that led you to getting hired at Wizard Magazine?
0: I just graduated college and literally on my graduation, my professor, he came up to me, he goes, there's these two numbers, call them and go in for an interview. So one of them happened to be UPS. The other one was Wizard. I had never heard of Wizard in my life. Never. So I called UPS first because I've, I've, I've heard of them, but nobody answered. And then I called Wizard and I believe the contact info was Mike Zinser, who was he was the operations manager at the time. And I, I got an interview. I went in, this is when Wizard was still in the Chestnut Ridge office, so it was a smaller office. And I remember they had the Wizard, the guy, to Comics banner on their door, which is a glass door. It was mm-hmm. right there. And I'm, the first thought I remember in my head, because I saw, you know, the Guide to Comics, I remember like, I can't draw comics. I am so screwed. That's the <laughs> first thought I had in my, because I had no idea. So I go in, I got interviewed, and I remember he actually asked me to recreate an ad that they had. Sit so on my desk and then recreate this ad using cork. And I'm like, okay. So I try try the best I can. I didn't finish it, obviously. But he's like, okay, okay, okay. When can you start? I'm like, ah, I have to give a week's notice of my old job. Okay, we'll see you after the more day weekend. And that was like June 1st, 1993. And that's how I got the job. It was the weirdest thing.
1: Yeah, that that really is. They answered the phone?
0: Yes, UPS did not and Wizard did. Yes, yeah, it was weird.
1: <laughs> so, now this is something interesting. You know, you said you can't draw comics. You mentioned in the magazine at one point as well in one of your profiles that you didn't really read comics. So we're going to assume they weren't a part of your childhood. Is that correct?
0: It wasn't as extensive as a lot of staff members. I mean, I I had cousins who had like you know the Archies. Uh, my brother had those paperbacks with Spy versus Spy. Sure, yeah. We had a, like a lot of robot manga books and stuff like that, but no, not really. No, not a lot of comics
1: now. Okay, because you grew up in the Philippines, right? So were there a lot of American comics around?
0: I remember my cousin had like the Batman comics, but they're not. You know how like nowadays you put them in boxes and they're nice and cardboard right. and stuff. This was just like literally strewn in a cabinet with pages torn and it was like newspaper to them, you know? I just remember one specific one. It was a Batman comics. So I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. But that's pretty much the extent of it. They weren't really into comics big time, no.
1: Now, obviously, for your long tenure at the magazine, they're all around you. So for you, were there particular comics that you were introduced to while working at Wizard that got your attention? Do you feel like you became well, you know, a fan through exposure for sure
0: I mean I remember starting re- reading about like the X-Men stuff like the Chris Claremont and all the doc- Dave Crocker and stuff just because they were like revered I guess so it was right there you can there, I remember in the, in the Chestnut Ridge office it was so small that they had long boxes literally on the table next to where you work so you could literally turn you know rotate your chair and be like oh here's a comic I can read this for like five minutes and stuff I was there when like the X Men was just like big. So I guess by osmosis, you're just kind of like dragged into that whole phenomenon. There's obviously, you know, the Valiant stuff. The image is not so much, but like the Valiant, I thought the Valiant stories were pretty good.
1: Interesting. So, so you were, you were focused more on the stories maybe than, than a flashy visual despite your design background.
0: Yeah. I guess some of them are just kind of like, it's 80% art and 20% text. So it's kind of like, <laughs> Okay, this looks kind of weird, but I think it's just a matter of like you know what you're more drawn into. I started reading Bone, Oh, strangers in Paradise, Terry Moore. Mm-hmm. What else? Like you know, like the weird, the weirder stuff. Why the Last Man? You know, more non-traditional superhero stuff. So, but uh, I haven't read in a long in a long time.
1: So. Okay. So, then what would you say w- when you were in the Chestnut Ridge office? Then, what were your main responsibilities in the early days?
0: When I first started there, it was mostly production work. What you consider like a lot of scanning, I was designing mostly like templated stuff. So a lot of columns and departments because I was still starting out. So it's just trying to get my feet wet in the way. There was (laughs) the one big thing that they had me do. And I don't even know why they had me do this. It was, I think, an issue number 26 or something maybe I don't remember it's a two-page subscription ad, and they're like and I remember because Doug was telling me like all right you got to do this subscription ad. I'm like how am I gonna do how am I gonna do this and it's a two-page spread which is a big deal I mean two pages and how am I gonna make this work it is my you know first job and I'm like and it's terrible I mean it's just awful they're, you know but they throw you you know, in the middle of every... Oh, I remember also when I started, Sports Look was starting too. Right. So we were trying to get prices off of them. So they had us scan the price guide. And at that time, I'm sure you can currently do that with the scanners. You can scan type. And it will some extrapolate and convert it to Word. So it'll extrapolate type from the scan that you did. And that's how they were able to kind of, instead of typing all, you know, one by one, you can get, actually do a shortcut and do that. So I I did a lot of that, too. <laughs> So it's mostly production at that time.
1: Yeah, interesting. Okay, so eventually you guys moved to the Conger's office. What do you remember about that move? Were you excited about that or just to see the workspace expand? Like, what what do you recall about that move?
0: The office was huge. It was two floors with a huge warehouse. I remember we had to take our own computers. (laughs) We didn't have a moving company. We literally had to take our own computers, put it in our car, and drive it to the office. (laughs) But I just remember it being a huge office. I remember the lobby was just enormous. It was three times the size of our Chestnut Ridge office. So it was like, wow. It was fun because then we have all the room finally, as opposed to being squished. Kind of like sardines.
1: Yeah. Now, I want to ask this, too, because I did see in one of the profiles as well, it said that you were charged with helping with incoming letters from readers for magic words.
0: I think I picked out the letter art. I think that's what it was.
1: Oh, I see. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because we have the letter art part of magic words. I think I did that.
1: Oh, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, because we haven't talked to anybody about because that was obviously a big thing everybody looked forward to, like these envelopes that were just fully illustrated, right?
0: Yeah, they were pretty cool.
1: Did pretty much everything get printed, or are there really bad ones that just never made it?
0: Well, we get so many of them, and you can only print four every month, so you kind of had to whittle it down to, like, the best. I mean, we got a lot. I mean, the mail that those guys get is just tremendous, so, yeah, it's just a matter of whittling, whittling down... the. The best four, you know?
1: Okay. Now, what can you tell us about creating the Wizard House ads? And maybe did that include creating the Wizard Credit Card ads? We're just kind of obsessed with that business decision.
0: I noticed you guys were very obsessed with that because I started <laughs> listening to some of the interviews. I had nothing to do with that. Somebody else did those ads. I never had any any hand in them. Okay. It's funny. I actually went through my archives to see the stuff I saved on the stuff I designed. And the ones that I remember are the, the, the parody ads. I don't know if that's considered the ah. same. Oh, sure, We did the parody ad. We did the retcon ad. We did the Miracle ad. Oh, uh, why the last man, which is the perfume, and then it's got the monkey on the (laughs) the ad thing. Those are the ones I remember doing.
1: Was your day pretty varied in the projects you had, or did you have a pretty set routine? It's like, okay, every month, I do this, I do this, I do this.
0: I think at the beginning of my career, I mean, I started doing like a lot of the, the contests, a lot of the offers, like the envelopes that you see inserted in the magazine. I did a lot of that. I did a lot of the you know departments and the columns and stuff like that. And then uh, as soon as Steve became the art director or creative director at the time, he pretty much was like, you know what, Arlene, go ahead and go crazy with the features. And that's kind of like where I felt that I was able to be as creative as I could be. And I think that's what Wizard was, design-wise, was the medium itself lends it to so much creativity that you can pretty much be crazy and they'll let you because it's just it's such a a funky medium it's not just like a normal like a fashion magazine or a lifestyle magazine i mean this is artwork you know then right. you can just be as creative as you want and so that was the evolution of that and you know with other magazines as well so
1: Yeah, now we, we talked to Steve Blackwell on our social media. He loves to comment, obviously, especially about the design choices of the early days, but he's been shy about getting on the mic with us. So I'm just curious (laughs) for you, what are some of your favorite memories of just working with Steve? Like, obviously it sounds like he just said, Arlene, go with it, you know, just do what you do. But, but what was, what was it like working with Steve? What kind of partnership did you guys have?
0: I have to tell you, Steve is one of the most generous people i've ever met i mean he's he was my boss but he was also a big brother and a great friend to me and the fact that he enabled me to just be you know here here arlene here's a feature go crazy without you know like give you notes but for the most part he knew the fact that i had that innate ability to create and he just let me go with him i mean he definitely is one of those guys who value your opinion so like when he's doing the covers and whatnot and he'll come in it's like you know have you know have you come into his office what do you think and you know you, you give your two cents and stuff and i mean he's very good at taking notes and stuff from people i mean that department our our department was full of creative people and how can you not utilize that so he, he's, a, he's such a great person and i owe him a lot steve i can't believe you're not here but
1: All a good time. We'll keep working with him. Uh, So now with that freedom, is there a particular project for you that stood out or a particular, you know, redesign of a column or something like that?
0: I wrote down a, a couple of notes to myself of the features I've done. There is a feature, I think, on issue 200. It's called the best commission art that Wizard has done. I don't hmm. know if you remember that. It, it opened with a uh, Watchman opener. And it literally was like, I would say it was like 12 pages of just artwork that we uh, had commissioned from artists. Through the years, like I'm Alex Ross, all the big names. And that was fun to do. There's also, I don't remember what the issue for some reason, cause it was not in the page. It's the Daily Bugle feature, which is, it, it's mocked to be like a newspaper. So it's Peter Parker with his mask off. And then if you turn the page, it looks like a newspaper from the Daily Bugle. So it gives you like oh. little, like, you know, sightings and like a little, little weather. This is a horoscope <laughs> and I like, mine. was Ubatu or whatever. So that was fun. I mean, like that enables you to i mean i was like i can't believe we did that oh the one feature that i thought was i thought was kind of cool there's a feature in wizard number 181 i'm not sure if you're familiar with system the down the the drummer uh john Monte. oh yeah his
1: drum kit i definitely remember that one Yeah. yeah
0: so he his i believe his label was sony at that time the band so they invited us to actually Go on the stage and interview him because he's obviously a huge comic fan. So, me and Andy Serwin went to Randall's Island in New York and they gave us passes. And uh, they told me, as press, you have free reign. So, I had a camera and I actually was able to go to where the photo pits of all the press and you could, I took pictures of pretty much anything. And then we went on their bus and uh, Andy Serwin you know, interviewed him. And, and then after that, they were about to get on and they were like okay you guys can be backstage for at least three songs and we're like oh my god yeah so we were backstage so they were like the the main act so they were but you know it's like the main stage and we were in the backstage and we're just watching them go on and this sea of humanity as they're about to go on is i could see why being a rock star is awesome i mean it's it's crazy so we were there for three numbers and and they actually told me you can take a picture of John while he's doing a set. So I was able to actually go around him and take pictures of him while he's drumming with his kit. Oh, it was I would say that's probably one of the highlights of my career there because the fact that they had us do that is incredible. And I got to do the feature. I designed the feature. So that I mean that was a complete project for me, I think. Because that was one of a kind
1: experience yeah that is intense wow, that's so cool yeah
0: it was yeah it was pretty
1: awesome so now as you see the evolution of the magazine because like you say you were there when they were in a tiny office now you move to the big office now the magazine continues to grow so for you was there a moment where you realized that wizard was becoming a big deal so did that ever sink in like based on you know obviously this experience you just talked about you got a chance to meet some famous people but was there anything along those lines that really was always a memory you took with you.
0: When we did the conventions, even before that. So Wizard had the top 10 comics of the month. And they always like, you know, pick the top 10 that, that they thought mattered. And I think the power of Wizard is evident because, you know, at that time, Valiant and Image came out. And so now there's like, they're buying for slots. In that department, I think you could see it go back and up and down, up and down. And I think there's a sense of like what Wizard wrote mattered at that time, Mm -hmm. because anything they say can make or break their comics. And you can feel that a a little bit. But I think the convention, when people come up to the booth just to see the staff and just to like spin the wheel or just get free stuff or just to talk to anybody who looked like a wizard staffer, I think that was just incredible. I think the one as a company for Wizard at the convention is when Batman was filming in Chicago, which ironically, we were there at that time. And uh, they actually brought all the actors into the convention to actually preview a little bit of the movie. And they actually had Christian Bale, Gary Oldman. Aaron Eckhart, Christopher Nolan actually ushered into the ballroom. And I felt that that moment was one of those, oh, my God, this is going to be huge. And this is before even San Diego was San Diego, what mm-hmm. it is now. I think that time was when it just exploded when, you know what, having a movie and having to come at a convention, that's when it made sense for the, for, for movie companies and just to promote their stuff.
1: So yeah, I that, awesome. that was
0: a big moment. Yeah.
1: Now, what about just in your day to day at the office? Obviously, you stayed there for so long. So, what was the best perk of working at Wizard in the '90s and beyond for you? I
0: mean, you get to read a lot of comics. So that's a good perk. Um, you get free—you get free stuff. You get the toys, the half comics. So anything that Wizard puts out you actually get it in your mailbox. So I think that's what was cool about it. You know?
1: And how much of that did you end up keeping over the years?
0: I sadly do not own any widget magazines anymore. I wow. do not have. Yes. Um, I don't. I think I might have like the hundred covers, hardcover, and then there's the how to draw. I don't. Actually,
1: have any of the packs at all? Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we we have plenty of them over here. So if you ever okay. need anything, you can ask us.
0: <laughs> okay, cool.
1: Now let me ask this also. So as you know, the Seamus Empire is expanding. What was your involvement with the other publications like Toy Fair and Inquest, and even In Power or Bean Power for short periods of time, like these spinoff magazines? Did they call you to do the design on those sometimes, or was it mainly handled by a, a separate department
0: like the bean power type magazine i don't remember being involved personally i think that might have been sent out for freelancers but definitely toy fair and inquest and anime those i actually did some work on like design features and columns and all that jazz yeah
1: did you have any more interest did you feel in like the action figure side or the gaming side or the you know the anime side
0: you know with inquest it's such a niche part of that industry i remember uh Had actually tried to teach it, so to play magic, and I just couldn't get it. Like I just, I there was a group of us, and I was like, I I don't I don't get it. I just can't get it. The one thing I remember after magic, which was a big deal, was HeroClix. So you had to collect the little figures, and I remember him actually building a, I guess it's a board. Like a, like a 3d type board for all the hair clicks that they have. And then every night they would progress whatever game they have. I remember that, um, but I was never, you know, never really was interested in that. Um, Toy Fair was, you know, cool because of the figures. I mean, with Brian's interview, I know you mentioned that he has all the bust figures, the bone figures all around the office. I mean, that were, they were just cool. It gives a sense that, Oh, this is how the office should look like in a hobby related industry. Yeah. I was not a collector. I, collected maybe stuff that i like you know i I have harley quinn action figures but that's pretty much it
1: now you remained an assistant for about seven years until you became an associate art director around the year 2000 so was that just a new title or did something change about what you were contributing to the magazine by that point
0: I think at that point, it was expanded pretty much to features probably at that time. You know, anything that I want to do, they just decided, okay, you need a new title because you're doing a lot more stuff. So that's pretty much what that was. I think they trusted us in the fact that we know what we're doing.
1: And essentially, you created the look of the magazine. So it seems like, yes, we're going to trust you to continue to do what you did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, we had like a lot of designers over the years, but I think they kind of like got the gist of what we're, you know, what we're all about. So
1: now uh, we've heard obviously about the office pranks and hijinks over the years. So how would you just describe the vibe of the office going in every day? And then is there like one or two like wacky moments that stand out to you, whether it was a prank or just, you know, something that was always sticks with you?
0: When we were still in the Chestnut Ridge office, there wasn't really pranks, but we would have pog fights at five o'clock. So we would have like the main bullpen and I guess we would take each side of the office and just throw pogs at each other <laughs> after five o'clock. You know, a couple of people got hurt, but whatever. And then the, there was obviously the April Fool's I've i I've listened to where people mentioned the aluminum foil ones, the cups of water ones and the X Slap Brownies ones. Obviously, I was n ne- I I am I was never involved in that, although it's just one of those things where you walk in and you go, Oh, this is what you did last night. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they never they never mess with the de- art department, so that's because I'm sure Steve probably would not enjoy that. It's mostly the editorial that they messed around with.
1: Okay. Now in Wizard 100, the magazine gave readers a chance to enter a contest where they could design one of the covers for the magazine. It ended up being a Thor cover, and in the image for this write up, you are featured next to the Big Cheese himself. So we have to ask for you, our lead, Garib Shavis. Cool. Or Fool.
0: Well, I mean, he built the company as was. Well, so I think that for a company that everybody wants to work for, I think at that time, it was,
1: you know, I would say cool. Well, what we've heard from, you know, a few people that were involved on the design side here and there is that, you know, especially in the early days, Garab would come in and be like, yeah, we definitely wanted to say this. And he would, he would make suggestions. Did you have very much collaboration with Garib when he would want to tweak something or come in and give you an idea?
0: No all the time I mean you know I, I think that's mostly like he would deal with Steve and and the you know Pat and those guys you know he obviously knew who I was because I've been there forever but uh he would come you know stop by our office and say hello he doesn't necessarily knew everybody's name but he would say hello but no I didn't have really like a major like his relationship in terms of like what he wanted and whatnot you know it, if it, if it is if it's something that he wanted to do maybe and he maybe Steve wanted me to do it then I'll do it but other than that I don't ha- I didn't ha- have any that type of relationship
1: now shortly after issue 100 in your know, 2001 era you became the art director as of issue 122 so how did you feel about finally taking that big job i mean were there big changes in your day-to-day responsibilities it was steve just moving on to something else
0: obviously there was more magazine to deal with so i'm sure his things that he needed attention day to day has probably shifted and then have me try to manage because we we had like a large crew of designers as well so it's just a matter of like trying to manage work as well so um try to like delegate things to a certain designers. so i think that was a big part of that change
1: but did it feel for you was it overwhelming at all or was it just business as usual pretty much you
0: know the the, the folks that we've had over the years are such a fun group that it's not that hard to tell people okay you need to do this i mean it's not even that it's just i think it's just there's such a great, great group of people that sometimes you don't even have to say anything like they know exactly what they need to do so
1: Oh, that's awesome now, do you recall just a random question, but do you recall any drama ever over a design choice that was made or maybe like something, you know, got the wrong button got pressed as it was getting ready to go to you go to print or something or just a publisher was unhappy and they're like, hey, nope, we're not doing that. Like, you got to tweak this. Like, did that come up very much as you were more in charge and making a lot of those decisions?
0: The only thing that came to mind was this is way before this is right when I first started working there. I actually was uh in the office when they were finishing up issue 24. So that was the Azrael cover and I remember they were actually originally going to show the costume, but I think DC was like, "Nope, can't do that." So that it's blacked out. So that's the one thing I remember
1: at that time Yeah, interesting. Later on, they kind of showed it on the interior. Eventually, and they got kind of got in trouble for that. <laughs> right,
0: it's like we blacked out the right. cover,
1: but it's on the insides.
0: Yeah, I know. but yeah, that's the uh, that's one thing that came to mind. Now,
1: with so many people that came and went with the magazine, and certainly you know many more men than women during this period, so how did it feel? being one of maybe the few women on staff in what was often perceived, at least, you know, from the reader's perspective, as maybe a sexist and immature boys club. For you, like, was that ever an issue? Did you ever worry about, you know, what was being written in the magazine?
0: You know, it's funny you ask that, because when I first started there, I was awfully young when I started. And I know, I I, I think I heard Brian say, oh, Arlene came in through high school. It's kind of not quite true. But (laughs) I was... It was young enough to be high school, but not quite. You know, I had, I just was kind of going along and didn't even think that it was that kind of feeling. For the most part of the years there, I mean, I think it's mostly like, I consider a lot of those guys big brothers. Mm -hmm. And I know it could come across like with the jokes and stuff like that, that could, you know, come across as very sexist or very misogynistic or whatever. I mean, I think there were a couple of things that maybe we would be like, look, that's not my Tone down. You might want to tone down slightly, but we've had women staff also through the years that I'm sure has probably changed the makeup or, or the tone of the magazine. Eventually, I personally did not feel that, and and those guys were sweethearts. They didn't, didn't treat me, you know, any worse than they should be, because you know, like everybody else, they're trying to figure out how to be, uh, I guess adults in you know in a place <laughs> where it's all stuff that they love as a kid and now they get paid for reporting and talking yeah. about comics and, and so it was it was interesting times that
1: i gotta say yeah i mean it was also yeah like you say everybody's young and it was a different era i mean that, that was, was just a different moment in time everybody is much more aware of things these <laughs> days and more sensitive to those issues but yeah at the time it, that was just kind of how things were in media in general so yeah. uh but are there other female contributors to the world of that you just mentioned, you know that there were others that maybe influenced things over the years that you would maybe want to give the spotlight to that you feel like, hey, you probably didn't see her much in the magazine, but she did a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we had uh, female designers. We had Kristen Stora. We had at the time, Jackie Benzik. And then we had like, you know, people working for under Dan Riley. We had Jody. We had Rachel Molino. I mean, we had, and then of course there's editors like Summer Mullins. I mean, those, you know, they, they contribute tremendously to the magazine. Of course, there's also the female staffers from upstairs, which obviously do not get highlighted enough because I guess part of it is the whole. Business upstairs, editorial art downstairs, it's that weird dynamic. But yeah, there's a, there was a lot of fellow female contributors, you know, whether they're in a magazine or not. But yeah, they were there.
1: Yeah. Now, let me ask this. What is the question that I'm not asking about your time at Wizard that I should be? You know, what, what is the topic that we haven't approached that you're, when you think of Wizard? You're like, we well, you got to talk about this.
0: It's so funny because I actually I was talking to my current co-worker about something as a department we did and I can't believe we still got away with it so the design department if you imagine like it's a it's a bullpen an office which has four desks in this office and then next to there's like a wall that has like these three windows and there's another office on that side so that's the design department and then Steve's office and office side so we were having a conversation you know like any office people do one of my coworkers was like comes in from the vending machine goes you know I can't believe they raised the price of soda. I'm like, what is it now? And he's like 75 cents. Now this is like in the odds. So it's like <laughs> it was 50 cents to now 75 cents. And then our other coworker was like, well, if I went to BJ's and I got a 12 pack of this and it would be cheaper. And somehow we had decided as a department that wouldn't be cool if we could sell stuff from our office, like, <laughs> like open a store. And we did, we actually opened, we dubbed it the design bodega. So we had a shelf. It was in front of my desk. So we had shelves. And so seven people put in $20 and they decided to go and buy what they think people in the office would like. Like whether it's Twinkies or Little Dead. something that you don't get at the vending machine. Like we would buy soda from BJ's and charge like something stupid like 50 cents or whatever. Cheaper. Definitely cheaper than the vending machine. And it took off. Like people would come in, no, people that no, don't normally come into our office actually would come into our office and buy our stuff. Like <laughs> all the designers had Spanish names. Like my friend Jeff was named Hefe. Uh, Eric was Enrique. We had Juan, and then and of course we dubbed Steve as Esteban, even though he had nothing to do with the bodega. But we made money. We made money to the point <laughs> where. We actually were able to, you know, after a certain point where I'm like, oh, wow, this is how much we made. Okay, everybody, we're going to Chili's for lunch. So we would go to, like, restaurants for lunch. Not only with the, the people who were involved, we brought friends with us and paid for their lunch. That's how ridiculously profitable this thing is. I mean, and then the vending machine guy would come in and look at his profits and go, what happened? He just didn't make money that week or something. <laughs> we took some money from the guy. And that's the one thing that I miss is we had a store in the design department.
1: The design bodega. Love it.
0: And I actually have a picture of the dollar when we first opened. Our first dollar. Yeah, he actually signed a dollar and (laughs) gave it to us. And I still have that dollar somewhere.
1: Oh, that's great. (laughs) So I said yes. So after issue two hundred, you became senior art director, and you know, so this is like two thousand eight era. So what was the office like at that point? Because I know like uh, Brian kind of told us that that's the era that he was starting to get ushered out, and Pat and all of that. So as you had all these former coworkers that were now moving on, what what was the feeling in the office? It was uh,
0: it was an interesting time. Um, we were trying to navigate despite losses you know we did what we can i mean we still have you know good people there but i think certain things were being consolidated we were trying to do the best we can you know we tried to, you know, we we still made deadline and we put out the product and stuff like that but uh the vibe definitely has changed but i think a lot of people were just like you know what we can still do this so um yeah i mean there were people who still believed in, in the in the place and in the product so
1: were you involved at the point where they moved out of the Congress office or by the time you left, were, were they still operating out of there?
0: Well, they started letting go of people, um, which was very, very trying times. And then this, the, the people who were left, which was whittled down to a small group, they just said, all right, everybody, we're going to go to the New York City office. We did that for a while. Yeah, it was kind of weird. You know, being in Congress all the time and be like, no, nope, you're going to the city now. Like, oh, OK. Yeah. on the bus. To uh, Port Authority, it's just it was just weird.
1: So, what ultimately then led to your departure from Wizard?
0: Uh, it was a mixture of a whole lot of things. Let's see, the Great Recession was happening, and then I think Wizard's ability to probably adapt to the times kind of was slow, and there was a lot of you know a lot of economics that were you know that was happening that were not going their way, um, and eventually. Uh, I was let go. I mean, I knew I, the, the writing was on the wall because they were like, you know, it was people after people were being let go. And mm-hmm. it was just a matter of like, when, when will be my time? And it, you know, you always t- you tell yourself that you're like, all right, I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to prepare myself. And it, and it finally hits you and you go, Oh, sh- that sucked. And uh yeah, that's that's what happened.
1: Wow. So how did that experience affect your future career? What doors were open to you and where did you go?
0: I did some freelancing. I did stuff for Marvel for a while. Um and then I just was able to, through contact, was able to do stuff. Even to this day, I still do freelance for people who actually used to work for Wizard. I still do stuff for them. And then my current job, I uh, reached out to uh, the art director of a magazine, and uh, he happened to notice where I worked before, and he recognized it. And I started uh, working there for as a freelancer. And then uh, a couple of years after that, I got hired full-time. So it's kind of weird how Wizard's still, depending on the age, obviously, still holds some sort of war. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now, did you then stay in touch with anybody from your Wizard days after you left, and then all these years later?
0: Oh, yeah. I still, uh, I'm in touch with Dan Riley. Everybody loves Dan. Like, I always try to see him at least once a year. Oh. I'm in touch with a couple of people.
1: Yeah. Now, what do you think, then, as you look back at your time there, and just, you know, what you know at all of the industry these days, like, what do you think the legacy of Wizard Magazine is after these 30 years?
0: Wow. Wizard I think it came out at the right time, right place, and it enabled comics also to be mainstream for people who may not necessarily be familiar. I think part of that is the movies. And I think uh, having Wizard as a medium helped fault that for people to be like, oh, wow, that's cool. With my archives, I actually designed a feature that had an interview with Robert Downey Jr. when he first was Iron Man. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's how long ago it was. So, I mean, Wizard has pretty much helped, I'm sure, with careers of other people, you know, bad or good. But I think it definitely has a stamp in the comic industry all these years later.
1: All right, Arlene. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us and sharing these stories. We are honored to be your first interview.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for having me.
1: But why don't you come over here? We're going to have you work on an ad. We're going to see how you do all these years later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I'm on it.
1: And that does it for this edition of the Wizard Files. Thank you so much for listening and special thanks to Arlene So for joining us and sharing those amazing stories. And we wanted to give you a heads up that this is going to be the last Wizard Files before our big celebration. Yes, Wizard Magazine is turning 30 in August. So to celebrate, we are doing a special, I guess what you might call a culmination of the Wizard Files, as we are bringing together many of our past guests as well as other staffers who have not yet been featured on the show, to participate in the Wizard 30th Reunion Roundtable. This is a special Zoom event, wherein we are gathering together all these Wizard alumni, and they will be pitching their ideas for a 30th anniversary magazine to celebrate their history. Now, we don't have the rights to wizard the guide to comics so who knows what new title they will come up with for this publication but they will also bring us plenty of laughs and fun ideas along the way as they pitch features and different ideas for what can be included it'll be something of a roast and also a celebration of their time creating all the content that we loved for 20 years inside the pages of wizard magazine so we are hoping to get this released to you the week of august 16th right in the middle of our celebration so make sure that you're subscribed to our social media at Wizards Comics on Twitter at Wizards underscore comics on Instagram this will also be simulcast on YouTube so you'll be able to get the audio podcast version as well as a video version it is destined to be a classic for the ages so we hope that you will join us for that so until next time we're closing the files